Hello, everybody, and welcome to Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Brett, here as always with Steve. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, well, yeah, I've been better because uh, there are no Big Ten teams left, so yes. that's obviously why I've been better, but we'll we'll get into that very quickly. Yes, absolutely. So yes, as Steve has uh, not so much hinted at as explicitly stated, uh, Big Ten basketball season is officially over. Uh and, you know, I, I, as, as we've been talking about, we'll have a lot more to say uh, kind of on each team and, and where they stood relative to preseason expectations uh, coming up for you guys over the next couple of weeks. So we will have a couple more weeks of content for you guys. Um, but today uh, we are focusing on the fact that there are no more, no more big teams, Big Ten teams alive in any of the postseason tournaments. And uh, we're here to kind of talk about why that is. Um, so. I think we should just jump right into it and uh, start with the, the first Big Ten game of the Sweet 16, which was the Michigan Wolverines uh, a, in, a, in a very hard-fought game against the Villanova Wildcats. And I'll, 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 uh, I'll give you, I'll let you take the take the lead on this one. Um, so what what did you see out of out of Michigan or out of Villanova that uh, that led to the 63-55 final score? Yeah, well, I mean this this wasn't a, a pretty game. Uh, on either end, so I'd say, um, you know, neither team shot particularly well from the field. Um, M- Michigan shot 34%, Villanova shot 37%. Um, no team was was great from three either. Both teams kind of under 35% there. So uh, from a purely from a shooting perspective, uh, we didn't get either team's kind of best effort. But both teams kind of controlled the the boards okay, and can you know and didn't not too many fouls, not too many turnovers either. So, you know, it's not like it was bad basketball, like we'd kind of seen from you know, some of the other big, te- big 10 teams during the tournament, but it was not, uh, I think, pristine execution on, on either end of the floor. But as, as far as, you know, Michigan, uh, you know, and, and kind of the reasons why they, you know, weren't able to win. So, you know, Devonte Jones, you know, we'll kind of start there. Um, he'd been battling injuries the whole tournament and, you know, looked okay in the first half, but then, um, you know, sort of uh, was in and out of the game the second half, you know, a little bit there. And, you know, they, they didn't really have him operating at, um, you know, the way that he sort of carried them at least down the last stretch of the, the regular season. And, you know, kind of having him play dead minutes sort of relegated Frankie Collins to a more um, lesser role, which he was a big key for them in the, in the first two rounds. So I think that was, you know, one factor there. Hunter Dickinson, you know, not his best game, 15 points on 14 shots. Um, he was in foul trouble a little bit in the second half. And uh, and they never really were able to feed him the ball in a rhythm that, you know, they they really sort of got him going. Um, Eli Brooks, you know, was not good in the first half. He, you know, made enough shots in the second half to kind of catalyze them on some of the mini runs that they have. But, but at the end of the day, to me, this was about, you know, Villanova sort of keeping them at arm's length. For most of the game, Colin Gillespie, I think, was the best player on the court, um, at least kind of when it mattered in the second half. And kudos to Villanova's defensive game plan. Um, it was clear that their effort was to, despite the fact that they knew they were going in undersized, they made it difficult for Hunter Dickinson to get the ball most of the game. Um, and with with Villanova, they are like a factory in the rate they run offense, right? They're disciplined, you know, a lot of um, kind of two foot jump stops. They don't take bad shots and, you know, they make the extra pass um, when needed. And they, they did just enough to really prevent Michigan from ever making this game close in the second half on a, a night when I'd say they really didn't execute that well. 
as far as their shooting. Yeah, and I think I think the kind of the headlines about this game are definitely indicative of of the fact that you know neither neither team is really hitting their shots. Um, but I you know when when I watched I watched this game and and, and rewatched the highlights. Um, I think the thing that I noticed is, is kind of what I talked about is, you know, Michigan was really going to have to work on keeping Slater and Samuels out of the lane and and away from the rim because they're, they're really good finishers at the rim. And and I, you know, we, we, we've said a lot about, you know, how Hunter Dickinson plays defense. And I think that that's kind of the matchup that Villanova, even when their shots weren't going down, especially Jermaine Samuels, who, you know, seven for 10 from two was able to just drive to the lane or drive, drive to the rim, you know, and, and not only make shots at the rim, but um, make you know, get, get to the free throw line as well. Um, and, you know, like, like you said, not a lot of fouls, not a lot of free throws, but um, you know, Michigan left seven points on the table and Villanova was 10 to 12. So it's just kind of, like you said, like it's executing the little things that, that really kind of end up mattering when you're, when you're on this, this stage. Yeah. I think the, the last thing I'll say, it was, it was a back and forth game. I think for most of the first half, Michigan, they, they took the lead early. Um, Villanova sort of punched back and then Michigan went on a mini run, uh, sort of middle of the second part of the first half to go up 22 to 20. I, I don't believe they they took the lead. I think Villanova had the lead for the entire of the game after that. They were only up three at half, um, but, you know, they kind of went on a, a little bit of a run to start the second half, and then they never really let Michigan get close. So, you know, um, even though this isn't Villanova's most talented team, you, you know, you can see that they're, they kept their composure um, as a team that's, you know, won two national championships in the last, you know, five years, you know, would do they, they kept championship level composure. They weren't executing that well, but they controlled the game for the second half and, um, you know, did what a higher seed should do in that situation um, and get a kind of commanding victory there. Now, I think, you know, where this leaves the like Michigan, as far as their expectations, we'll, we'll talk about kind of who's likely to come back, you know, and on, another day but i think it's funny because you know there are some other teams across the conference that lost in earlier rounds that you know are sitting here pretty disappointed i know there were a lot of expectations with this michigan team preseason but i think um as far as where this leaves them i don't know if there's going to be too many people complaining about a sweet 16 appearance as an 11 seed yeah and that's 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 a good way to look at it i think and I, we, we've, we've gotten into this before. I know, especially when we, when we talk about teams like Illinois, um, where, you know, uh, uh, I, I think, I think, I don't think it's, it's a super controversial statement to say that, that, you know, Michigan was projected to do much better than they did over the course of the regular season. And so it's, you know, it's good to be able to salvage that with a sweet 16. It's, you know, it's also just like, it's, it's a very fickle tournament. And, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this again when we, when we recap Wisconsin season two, where it's like, you know, this the Sweet 16 is is nice, and Michigan has has now made the last five Sweet 16s. So that's that's a obviously the program is in a healthy place. I don't think any, you know I don't think you're going to see many arguments to the contrary there. Um, but it's it is it is kind of interesting how the how the narrative can 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 shift pretty quickly in that regard. Yeah. So I mean, speaking of that, not to steal your thunder in the transition, but probably a great segue to talk about yeah, Purdue. Yeah, that's that is a good point. And so our final uh, Sweet 16, our final Big Ten game of the year uh, was the Purdue Boilermakers, who you know kind of saw a a most of the competitive, most of the what we believe to be their competitors in in their side of the bracket, uh, knocked out early, whether that was Baylor, whether that was Kentucky. And then uh, they they got peacocked, I guess. Um, they 
you know, they, you know, were the latest victim of the Cinderella uh, story that is the St. Peter's Peacocks, uh, who have now taken down Kentucky and Murray State and are, I believe, just tipping off against North Carolina right now. So this is weird because we had talked about this for, for, for first of all, like credit to St. Peter's for just a, a very well executed game plan, especially on the defensive end um, where, you know, they, they were very, very well coached. They hit shots when they needed to, and they were able to really, you know, make make Purdue kind of into a grinded out half court team, which we know is like not is not how they play normally. So it, it's it's it is very interesting that, you know, this this Purdue team could not take advantage of a, of a team whose tallest rotation player is six, eight. Well, OK, because I, I think there's multiple levels you can sort of break this down on. And uh, there, you know, there, I want to write I want to reference one of the things you said last week, um, which I think stuck with me as I was watching this game is you said that like, if you're Purdue, you just, you have to play solid, you know, to win this game. You don't want to, you know, you don't, don't do anything outside of your comfort zone to expose yourself to the potential of a Cinderella upset. And when I look at this game and I look at Purdue's 15 turnovers, you know, nine steals, none of those steals by St. Peter's. I mean, I think that's where you got to start. Right. Um, and, and not that like, you know, yeah, Purdue, Purdue, you know, very machine like this year throughout the year, at least, you know, in the first 30 minutes of games when they executed their offense, you know, they, they look, we, we talked about all year, how they looked the part of a final four team and just the way that they carried themselves now all kind of late game, um, execution issues, notwithstanding, I, I think it's safe to say that they didn't look that way even though they looked okay you know they were up at the half and you know it was a close game you know sort of with 10 minutes left there um they, they didn't look the part and you know when when you get into the why yeah you know the 15 turnovers are, are one of the reasons but the next obvious place to look is is uh jaden ivy right you know not the best time of the year to go four for 12 for nine points and only make one out of your six three pointers uh, of which kind of came the, that one came kind of late at the end of the game when they were in desperation mode. Um, so, you know, you know, when you're a final four caliber team, you know, quarterbacked by a top five, top 10 draft pick, you know, you can't have that type of a performance at this point in the tournament. And, you know, that's really where I, I think it starts. One of the other things that I noticed too, with Purdue, which I think we can talk about this too, but, when games are close down the stretch, they they ride Travion um, over Edie as far as kind of who they want in the post. And in, in some reasons, that's obvious, right? Like, you know, kind of Travion can do a little bit more one-on-one than um, Edie can, at least, you know, in the post. And, you know, I think they just trust him with his his leadership back there. Um, and, you know, he, he was okay. He was, you know, 7 of 15 from the field. But in clutch time, he did not make all the shots. And you know, they, they needed to be flawless given that they weren't flawless, you know, kind of the, the first 25 to 30 minutes of the game. And they just, they didn't get enough big time shots from their players and St. Peter's, you know, did just enough, but kind of also credit to St. Peter's, you know, they didn't have a single player score more than 14 points. So it was really a, a team effort. They, they didn't shoot like particularly well either. They were under 40% from the field, under 30% from three, but they made all their free throws and, you know, and they got, you know, solid minutes from, you know, eight of their rotation players. And it was kind of like the story has been with them the whole tournament. It was just enough to pull off the upset. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's all that all that you just need kind of that window. Um, but I, so to your point about Trayvon Williams, I, I think, you know, it, it is it's obviously not the reason they lost. He had a pretty good game. But, you know, like you said, the, the, the shots he normally makes in crunch time, he was just missing and they were not super difficult shots. It was, you know, back to the basket, kind of then face up and and kind of shoot his little jump hook. And those are, you know, those are shots you want if you're Matt Painter. And it just, you know, they didn't go down. But I think that the other thing is, you know, Zach Eady only played, what, 16 minutes this game. He had two rebounds and he had zero for like a, a, he got his first rebound like late in the second half, I think. And that's that's kind of hard to do if you're seven foot four and play that much. So this this was definitely a game where like and I mean, you know, it's it, I guess it's becoming a recurring theme with the St. Peter's team where they're they're always undersized, but they're not. They're not getting even like Shibway, like Shibway got, you know, against Kentucky that had a, had a huge rebounding game, or, you know, a huge game. But no one like they were able to kind of game plan the rest of, of his teammates out of it. And, you know, credit, credit again, credit to Shaheen Holloway and 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 his staff for, for putting together a good game plan, because it really did look like they were making Purdue extremely uncomfortable in the half court. And when you've got the kind of explosive guard play with with Ivy, like that's pretty hard to do. The the other thing though, just to point out to your point on Edie, so only two rebounds, but they for he was responsible for Purdue's, for five of Purdue's fifteen turnovers. So you know their their plan of kind of Edie's usually pretty disciplined as far as bringing the ball down. Like you know he usually keeps it high, but that's probably why he ended up with those minutes on the on the bench there. And I think even just looking at what they did against Kentucky, you know, Chibwe had two, had, had three turnovers. Uh, Wheeler had six turnovers, you know, so they, they, um, it, the kind of VCU model, not that they create as much havoc, havoc as, you know, that team did on their run, but it's sort of a, a similar model where you're disruptive in passing lanes and making life uncomfortable for, you know, particularly the big guys of your opponents. I, I, you know, I think that's part of the, the recipe, that they're following because it's not like St. Peter's is winning these games by shooting the lights out. Um, you know, they are, they are <laughs> grinding out these wins. And I think, you know, maybe shifting gears just a little bit. I mean, if you're a Purdue fan, where, where's your head at now? Because I think, you know, we were, we were probably more harsh, I think on, on Illinois than Purdue, just as far as like the, the preseason's favorite, the preseason favorites on the show. But, like, I, you know, yeah, Purdue got to the Sweet 16, but I, I mean, I think this whole week they were probably, as you mentioned, looking up at their bracket and thinking, you know, this is our final four to lose. And, you know, not that I think you get to the Sweet 16 and, you know, every game's a coin flip at the end of the day. So, you know, you have to play well to keep winning. But uh, like it, w- with Purdue, this is be this is becoming a theme every year where they um, maybe not maybe saying they underachieve is in the tournament is unfair because I, I don't I don't know if that's the case but they seem incapable of winning you know a big game and you know we're at the point with Painter right now where it's you know it's been a decade where they've always been at the top of the conference without much of like a trough in the down years and so you know I think it's just it's we, we have to I think continually ask the question of you know can they do enough to take the next step and this is just another example of no and frankly I don't know that they would have I don't know if they've ever had a team that was structured with a better, you know, in a better way to, to get to the final four. 
Yeah, I, I so I, I think there there are two two responses to that. So I think one is like it's it's really hard to win six games in a row in the tournament, and like you know Jay Wright couldn't do it until he did it, and then now he's won two. So I think using that narrative for a coach is always kind of bother. Like Bo Ryan couldn't do it until he did it, but I think with this team specifically, like you mentioned, this outside of you know those the the Robbie Hummel team probably, uh, and that was obviously besieged by injury, uh. Uh, there hasn't been a better opportunity for for Painter with with a team he's constructed, and you know he he put together a, a a good team that you know obviously didn't have it this game, and that's you know that happens. But I think if you're a Purdue fan, not coming away with one of the one of the two Big Ten titles and also going out in the Sweet 16 is is disappointing. You know you still I mean it was still a team they they I believe I think they technically finished in fourth and no in third in the Big Ten so. It's it, that's still that's still difficult to do. It was still a good conference this year, but not coming away with a Big Ten title, I think especially regular season wise, has to be has to be a bit disappointing because, you know, this is this was the most expectations I feel like we've had with this Purdue team or with with Purdue in in years, and that's seeing it end in this manner is is surprising. I think. Well, and and also just one more fact about Purdue, they were ranked in the top ten from start to finish this year they never dipped below the top 10 um and i think as you said you know just because that that's the case with you doesn't mean that doesn't guarantee you that you're going to make the elite eight by any means and i think you know it's almost like with purdue we see less like they never like lose as a three seed to a 14 seed like right like we, we don't see them lose those upsets in shocking fashions but it's a lot of like you know them as like a a three seed you know, making the sweet 16, but not making the final four kind of like this year. And granted, like they had that game. I mean, that Virginia game, I, I think it was 2018, you know, maybe 2019, 2019. that game was stolen from them. Right. Like they, they had that one and that was, you know, also kind of one of the, the better teams that they've had, you know, in a, in a number of years. So like, you know, they, they, they're not immune to like their share of heartbreak by any means, but um, I, I just I say this all the time, like pedigree matters when you come down the stretch, whether it's pedigree out of the coach, pedigree out of the players, you know, th- that that matters in terms of like how you you get these wins. You see it. You see it with, you know, you see it with with teams like, you know, Kansas and Duke this year. You see it on the opposite end with like programs like Gonzaga, which even, you know, they have some amount of pedigree to lean back on. But, you know, they're kind of also kind of showing that you know, their lack of schedule and uh, championship pedigree is, you know, an issue for them when they really get punched. And so, you know, we've had this conversation in prior years with Purdue. um, And so I don't know where they go from here. We'll we'll debrief their season in in detail kind of, you know, more in in another show. But um, I, I, I don't think that their fan base is particularly happy right now with the performance that they put out in the game against St. Peter's. Yeah, and I think I think that's a very reasonable take. You know, I, I think we're having a different discussion if they win that game and then just totally don't show up against UNC. But and uh, you know, that's a one game difference. But I think it it matters in a in a team for a team that has so much athletically on another team. And even with like, I think we would all consider Matt Painter to be a good coach. Um, I don't think I don't think that's a I, he's a good coach. Like he's he's a good Big Ten coach. And I, so I, th- I think losing to St. Peter specifically is like, if, you know, if they had lost that game to Kentucky, even 
like we're having a different conversation. So I think it's just how this particular team flamed out would be upsetting for a Purdue fan. And, and, you know, when, when you look at their, and we'll talk about this, we'll do the season recap, but like they lost so many games on buzzer beaters and that makes a difference too. So. Right. But on the one hand, I mean, in one story, that's bad luck in another story. That's inability to win close games, which is a cultural problem. So it depends on the way you look at it. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, and it's, I think, you know, we'll, we'll look back on their season. They didn't, have any really, really bad losses until, you know, this one really. But sometimes that's just how it is in the tournament. So I think with that in mind, and, and again, we're going to be doing detailed dives on on every team's season. But now that there are officially no more Big Ten games left, um, what are what are your some, some sort of uh, preliminary thoughts on the end of the season so far? Um, yeah, well, I think, I mean, globally, I would say it's sort of the second consecutive disappointing year for the conference as a whole in the tor- in the tournament. Um, just given the the sheer number of you know, Big Ten had more teams in the tournament than any other conference, and you know they they didn't have any left standing at the Elite Eight. And at times, some of that can be dumb luck. But I think you know this year it was yeah there was some bad luck, but it was sort of also. Um, some of the problems that we talked about with a lot of these teams sort of rearing their heads um, at the wrong time, you, you know, so, so it's not like, you know, these teams lost for reasons that were unknown or shocking. Uh, I think it was a great season overall. You know, we had, I think Wisconsin was a huge surprise for, um, for, for us compared to where we had them slotted at the beginning of the year. I think you can say the same uh, for Iowa. I think you, you'd probably put, Michigan and Illinois as teams that underachieved where we relative to where we had them. And I think you can kind of throw Ohio state in that bucket too, you know, and, and we had sort of great storylines with some of the teams at the bottom, you know, Nebraska made a run at the end of the year um, after really just, you know, being terrible for most of the year, Penn state, you know, stole a couple of wins from uh, teams outside of their uh, like, you know, outside of their weight class, which was fun to see. Um, And, and, you know, we had an exciting finish to, both the regular season of the conference and the, the conference tournament, um, which, you know, was, was great action. But I think it's going to be hard to look back at the season, at least holistically for the conference, and not be a little bit disappointed to, you know, how things ended in the tournament. Yeah, and that's I think that's a that's a fair way to look at it. Um, I think I think overall, the quality, like the quality of basketball that we, we got all season was was really high. And, you know, in, in, in some way, it does make sense that the teams that we, we picked as like having, you know, they had the most talent, the two teams that were kind of coming into the season in, in Purdue and Michigan were the last two standing, um, despite having very different roads to get there. Um, so, you know, that, that sort of makes sense, but I think there were a lot of teams, there are, there are a few teams that kind of really like, you know, you mentioned your, your Ohio States, your, your Michigan States that peaked kind of early, and then for a, a number of other teams, it was it was known issues that just kind of re- reared their head at, at the at the exact right time to to kind of knock them out early. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think overall, you know, and the 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 public perception thing is whatever. Like, if people don't think the Big Ten isn't a good basketball, if people think the Big Ten isn't a good basketball conference, then they're just willfully ignorant. And so, you know, not, not winning a championship in 20, in, I mean, technically, if you want to count Maryland's 2002 championship, 
which I I don't because they were technically. But anyway, so it's been it's been 20, 22 years since the Big Ten has won a national title. And like, that's annoying. But again, it's very hard to win six games in a row. Uh, and so I don't really think that's as big of an indictment as as some people may say. So, yeah, overall, I it, it was super fun covering this season. It was super fun watching this season. Uh, we saw, you know, there were some surprises, both good and bad. I think I think we can also throw maryland in the in the bad surprises category um just in terms of you know all of the the t- losing turgeon but you know it's it's gonna be uh in, interesting to kind of see what happens as as we move move through the off season and uh with that um we'll be back next week uh so starting with the the first round of our conference previews we'll probably break it up into two maybe three episodes depending on how they're running so you've got that to look forward to uh, and as always, if you uh, if you want to ask us a question, I think especially actually if you have any questions kind of as we look towards next year with Transfer Portal and kind of recruiting, that sort of stuff, uh, feel free to send us an email, uh, Big Ten, the number 10, hoopsweekly at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter where I'm trying to be a little bit more coherent on Twitter, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, that's at Big Ten Hoops, W-K-L-Y. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening.